the battle for attention is bigger. So you can't just create content and expect people to just to engage with it. I think for people, other people to engage with your content, there needs to be trust, credibility, and authority built. And I am a big believer that you first have to do the work yourself, which I'm then a point at outbound engagement, to, and then to expect the audience to come to you. So to start off, just let's get right into it with who you are and what you do. Cool. Yeah. So thanks. Uh, thanks a lot for inviting me, Owen. Uh, my name is Jesse van Bruegel, originally from, from Amsterdam, from Holland, um, but currently living in Costa Rica, uh, which is not too bad. I would say it's a really good space to be. And uh, yeah, I've been creating content for two years now, two and a half years now. Started off on Medium uh, with the more like long form articles. And then end of 2020, got to, to Twitter. And I would say through Twitter, I enrolled and figured out that it was like this whole creator academy, or sorry, creator economy, and people that actually were writing online, making products and all these like exciting things. And I was like, okay, that's something for me to uh, take a, to, uh, yeah, to, to take a deep dive in. And it was also similar with, uh, let's say, the timing that I rolled again into like personal branding so my niche my niche became uh, like personal branding for creators um, and i always had this philosophy of like okay how can i help my past self because for me at some point i really um realized that due to my personal brand that i have been i had been building through content creation i was able to get opportunities that i haven't had was able to before so for me it opened a lot of doors and that's when I would say started to understand that for digital creators, you want to have a bit uh, like a personal brand. Uh, and yeah, that's like almost two years ago already. And uh, now the journey has, has, has taken me, I'd say mostly on LinkedIn. I always thought there, was, there wouldn't be a spot for creators like myself. But uh, since the end of April, I heavily doubled down uh, on LinkedIn. And I've seen massive results business-wise, audience-wise, revenue-wise. So I think those are interesting uh, elements for me to double down on um so yeah and and even like through the last two and a half years like content creation is still for me it's a second nature but it's all, always geared around like okay how can i help other creators get to a point where i i've been in terms of like content creation or course creation i got a couple of courses as well out. um and yeah i think that's you know like a brief nutshell what I, what i've been doing for the last two and a half years that's awesome. I love that you're approaching it from a way of like helping creators because that's exactly the way that I approach it. And it's really, it's a fun way to do it because then you can like kind of teach yourself um, like what you would have wanted to know when you're like getting into it, which is really cool. Now, how did you get into writing on Medium? That seems like, I mean, I know there's quite a few people that do it, but it's like kind of a niche thing. Well, uh, I quit my job in July 2020 without much of a plan. I thought I would be going uh, into like customer service consultancy. I was doing that like in my corporate job just before I quit. And then four weeks in, I was like, okay, this is not my path. So pretty like abrupt change there. And I was already like writing stuff, but never like online. But I figured out that you could make actually money by publishing on Medium and getting paid for the number of minutes people read your stuff. And I was like, okay, that sounds like uh, like a dream almost. So the first time I made my my first thirty seven cents, I was ex- I was stoked, like not due to the amount of money, but just to see that that was possible. So yeah, I'll say that got me started. And then six months later, I had published like one hundred and fifty articles or something. 
didn't get me, I would say, the stardom or the wealth that I was expecting in the beginning. But even more important, it, it, it built me a, like, like a, the, first, the skill of writing, uh, but also, the, I would say, the, the muscle of showing up online and putting yourself out there. And that's, that's the, the same attitude that I then took up on uh, Twitter. And as Twitter, of course, was, the, was a much more like social platform. It allowed me to connect with so, like other creators like myself. And, and Medium is much more like siloed. Like it's just, there is a conversation happening on one story, but there was not much like room for interaction and engagement. And of course, Twitter is the best platform for that. So that's where I was using those, those writing skills that I learned with Medium, but then in a social setting uh, on Twitter in that case. Yeah, definitely. Now, Twitter is like that social platform, like you mentioned. How has, um, I mean, I guess LinkedIn is like, it's kind of almost in the middle there. I don't know. I'm not too active on LinkedIn. But how have you, like, I guess, seen the growth on that? And um, how have you seen interacting with people on LinkedIn, like, affect your audience and your, your community there? Um. Well, definitely. I think uh, LinkedIn, I see it as a, it's a social platform. People see it as a, like in the past, it was like just a place where people upload their CVs, but it's becoming much more of that. Like even from, out, from LinkedIn itself, you see that they are pushing uh, towards like a more like content creation platform with certain nudges, certain features, all things that I would say they do to make sure people post more. And uh, yeah, I think Content creation on, on LinkedIn is still pretty pretty early stage, which for me is perfect because I'm capitalizing on that. And like, like the, the people that I, that I interact with daily, they're all content creators. So for me, it looks like everyone is a creator on LinkedIn, but that's just the tip of the iceberg. Like the, there are like 850 million users on LinkedIn. Even after 20 years, the platform is still growing, but less than 1% of the people they post weekly, let alone daily, and I post twice a day. So just run the mat and you see that by already like putting yourself out there frequently you put yourself in such a like 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 0.1 percentage on i would say the number one business platform in the world because people on, on linkedin are business oriented while on twitter is a little bit more entertainment uh, educational and i think everyone on linkedin is just there to do business and now the educational part the inspirational part i would say the motivational part of content is being uh, addressed also on LinkedIn, but everyone kind of knows that the underlying like reasoning for people there is of course grow their brand slash business. So that's how I've been seeing it. I would say change the last uh, the last twelve to eighteen months. Yeah, I think so too. I've I've heard a bit about it, um, mostly just secondhand stuff because I don't really post on there. Um, but how do you think that's going to change over the course of like the next? year two years three years um just like looking forward with that do you think it's going to continue in that direction of becoming more like um social like that or like how do you think that's going to evolve well that's an interesting question to, to think of of course i can't like forecast the future but i think that the thing with linkedin is that it's like i just told it's 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 20 years old so it's a pretty old platform and it doesn't have any competitors uh, it's owned by Microsoft, so it's it's a stable glo global corporation that's behind it. So 
I, I do see that in that industry is like the winner takes all. Like there is not much of a competitor. So I think the only reason like LinkedIn could go down is because of their own like failures. But again, that's something that I'm making that statement with the knowledge and the information that I have right now. Um, but like I said, um, for me, like I tried to, to make LinkedIn work for the last, I would say two and a half years, never really found a, found a fit. That's why I started on Medium. That's why I went to to Twitter because in the in like every time I was trying to get something like a, like a foot on the ground on LinkedIn, but it didn't work. Only till I would say end of April this year, so six months ago, I laid out a good plan, and then I was able to capitalize on like two and a half years prior of like audience building. But even like being a guest before that, and now like being there like a couple of hours every day. I have seen the massive changes the platform has gone through. Plus, the whole experience is is is, is changing. Like I said, people treat it on as a content platform. Like the um, the number of people that I see starting out on LinkedIn with like, hey, I've been on the platform like six years, and this is the first time I post. That's like that it, that influx is crazy. And as I shared before, like for me, that's that's an opportunity because I know how to write online. I know how to build a uh, an audience and a business out of that. I know how to build, launch, and sell products. So for me, that this silent majority or sleeping majority almost of LinkedIn is getting active and wants to like step into the creator game is fantastic. Because I think on, on Twitter, to make a little bit of a comparison there, I think Twitter is much more saturated in terms of like creators. Because first of all, the, the total pie on Twitter is smaller than on LinkedIn. It's like one third of the size. And I think a bigger percentage of that pie is a creator. So, of course, there is more saturation there. Plus, I think the mindset of people on Twitter is much more like, okay, let me figure it out first myself. While the mindset of people on LinkedIn is like, okay, he or she has done what I want to have. Like, let me pay for their shortcut, whether it's an online course or coaching or whatsoever. Because people are more like, okay, uh, they got money to spend on problems they want to solve. Yeah, definitely. That, like, um, paywall of, uh, like, the community and stuff, I think that's so vital because it's, like, when there's a free platform, it's, like, you get a lot more people that might just look at it once or twice and then just kind of leave it there. But if you're paying for it, it makes, like, a, a lot, I don't know, just more engagement. Now, is there is there monetization on LinkedIn? No, there isn't, hmm. but it's it's the same on Twitter. Like Twitter does, you don't monetize on Twitter either. It's like always, right. I see those platforms as it's a rented platform, like a rented audience. Like the moment uh, LinkedIn or Twitter decides to, that my show is over, I'm left empty-handed. <laughs> but of course you wanna you wanna be where the people are and those social platforms are great to, to gain exposure, to build a brand. Um, but LinkedIn is not really like it's, it's not like monetization as for, as for example, YouTube is doing. Uh, like the monetization structure of LinkedIn is that they get paid through ads, but it's, I'd say, much less than on Instagram, for example. Plus, LinkedIn, of course, has uh, their paid memberships. So you got the premium plan, the sales navigator plan, like all these like big, pretty expensive plans. That, that That's how they monetize. Uh, and on Twitter, of course, the model uh, is a little bit different. Yeah, right. Now, we're talking about like building an audience and that kind of thing. I remember seeing a recent tweet of yours that says, um, 
I was just talking about like engaging with your audience is like what you should be doing a majority of the time, um, like to grow your audience and like engage with them. What does that look like in terms of, um, I guess, like avenues of engagement? Should that be like replying to comments, uh, DMs, that kind of thing? Or like, what are some of the ways that are um, most beneficial for that? Yeah, I think those are like two great examples. I see engagement as the driver of growth on whichever platform. Like my expertise lies in Twitter and LinkedIn. So for the sake of the argument, I will keep it on those platforms. But I think the times have, have changed that like in the past, you could perhaps like have a couple of like real good posts and then the audience came to you. But the algorithms changed. I think the the competition between comp creators has, has improved or has, has increased. So more content, better content. So the, the, the competition and the, the battle for attention is bigger. So you can't just create content and expect people to just to engage with it. I think for people, other people to engage with your content, there needs to be trust, credibility, and authority built. And I am a big believer that you first have to do the work yourself, which I'm, and then I point at outbound engagement, to and then to expect the audience to come to you. So to put that into, I would say, into an example, when I came back on LinkedIn uh, end of April, I had a pretty, I would say, inactive follower base. Uh, I wasn't posting frequently. No one was like really had a clue about what I was speaking about because first of all, I didn't have a strategy to it. But my main activity there was to engage with like like-minded creators to put myself in their spotlights because I was like, okay, these people have it more figured out than me. So I better just engage uh, and, and, sp and go where the other people go, like in terms of like the engagement part. So engagement of course is a big part of like adding value to the conversation so indeed that's true comments and i'm always like a big big fan of like taking the conversation to the private conversations because that's how you build connections with people and that's how you turn them from like followers into perhaps even friends or people that you do business with or people that you can ask for feedback or support or do projects with whatsoever because i think the dms are there the stepping stones um and I would say what I mean with engagement over content is kind of turns like ties into what I said earlier before, like I think like early stage creators, they really stress a lot about content creation and they create content for a while, doesn't really like take off, but they forget like the whole engagement part. And that's, it's like you can have the best content in the world, but if, if the room you're speaking is empty because no one knows who you are, you're not connected to the right people, then you can have the best content, but no one is really hearing it. So then you can better spend like 90% of your time engaging and 10% of your time creating. Because I do believe there needs to be a split because if I only engage, but no, don't create content, then there is nothing I would say for the other people to pay back to or to follow me from because then it's just me and empty account. So uh, that's a little bit in a nutshell I see engagement, but it, it is definitely the cheat code to grow an engaged audience. It just requires the work to be put in. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I really like that idea of like, um, I guess shifting it to the private conversation from like, um, I guess like bringing it from Twitter. You can, uh, I guess, evolve that into like DMs and then like FaceTime calls, stuff like that. Um, have you ever thought about any ways to like, I guess, speed up that process and then even like monetize that. Like, I don't know, one 
uh, platform that comes to mind would be Patreon, just because it's like you could pretty easily like set up those um, those calls with people, and then you could also have them like pay for the the like paywall for that. Have you ever thought about doing something like that? Or, like, uh, I guess teaching about that. Yeah, so monetization definitely on my mind. I haven't used uh, Patreon for that, but last year, February, I did run a couple of like cohort-based courses focused on Twitter growth together with a friend that I met through Twitter. So we never met in real life. And I think that's the beauty of connecting through DMs because we connected back and forth. And at some point, there, the idea was there and we decided to take action on that. So we did monetize out of Twitter, but it was just not on the Patreon side of things. Yeah, that makes sense. That's really cool. I, I didn't think about a course doing that, which is that is a very similar idea. That's really cool. Now, I kind of want to talk about your, um, it's like the Creator Academy is what you're calling it, right? That's the, the newsletter. And is there more to that? Well, the, the Creator Academy, the philosophy of that is, like I shared before, like I want to document my own journey with the thought of that it helps other people get to the point where I'm currently at. Not to think like that I'll have it figured out, but I know like like I'm building the resources I wish I had along my journey. So whether it's like how to create a video course, which I did for LinkedIn and Twitter, or how it is to build an engaged audience, because it's just not like collecting followers, or how to optimize your LinkedIn profile, all these things. I'm documenting that. And like that, I'm doing that in a weekly newsletter, uh, which is called the Creator Academy. But also my digital products uh, are under the umbrella of the Creator Academy. So I'm just the the the, the big ideas there to build like a like an ecosystem, like a community at some point, just like something that people go to to learn how to become a better creator. Uh, and my my thought process in there is like, okay, even if it doesn't help anyone on earth, which I think would be a forest threat. It, it helps me at least to document my own journey and to reflect on the processes because I'm flawed as fuck. So I can learn from looking back on the things that I've been doing, cringe a little bit and then know, okay, next time I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna do it in a different way because this time it did work or did not work. So I think it's just a, it's really good, like me documenting the process, but I would say through feedback and yeah, I would say to feedback and conversations, I, I get back from people that it definitely helped them. So that's uh, that's the bigger picture there. That's really cool. I, re- I love that mindset, just that like you're kind of documenting and reflecting on it. I think that's like so important because it's like you can see what you did wrong um, and then people can see what you did wrong. So they either like learn faster from that or don't make that mistake, which is really cool. And that's, I don't know, that's a really awesome way to think about it. It's kind of like... Um, I don't know. It's a little bit like the mindset of just kind of like uh, producing like content and then just kind of like starting that and then figuring it out. It's a little bit, it's a little bit similar of an idea. How did you develop that mindset? Have you just kind of like thought about that over time and just like evolved? Good question. Um, I would say like looking in hindsight, I've always been like someone that I would say try to figure stuff out himself, learns a lot, but also as soon as I would say understood it, want to teach it to other people. So I think this educator slash teacher has always been there. Um, but I would say in terms of like me documenting the journey, it's just for me, it's an easy way 
first of all, to create content because I just literally share what I did. So it's just like when, like when I'm stuck on content creation, I just ask myself, what's the piece of advice or what's the piece of content I wish I had six months ago? And then I just literally go to my Google calendar and I'm like scroll back six months or two weeks. And I'm like, okay, I was working on these projects. Okay, what was something I struggled with? Okay, I create content. Boom, that's it. So it's a real big prompt. Plus for me, like what I learned, I would say, by being in the content game for like two and a half years is that I am standing on the, on the shoulders of giants. And with giants, I mean like, like creators that are far ahead of me. For example, on LinkedIn and Twitter, Justin Wells is something that... Some is someone I look up to in terms of content creation, audience fit, etc. I'm learning from him because he's literally like laying out his whole business model. So, and I'm like, I have that. Like, why not follow the blueprint? And like, like, like a great, uh, like a great quote I heard the other day is about like Gary V. It's like, he could scale to a certain point, but we all got Gary V's uh, resources and information and content. So. It, it would, wouldn't take us as much time to do what he did in a certain field because he's sharing well what he did. So, and that's what I kind of like see as my role then as well to, to help other people. It's like, okay, how can I lay out the blueprint for certain things to help those people to get where I want without having the pain that I had to endure to certain things the same way as I look up to other people. That's really cool. Yeah, it's so nice having that um... I don't know, just like in today's age, I feel like that hasn't been a thing for too long. And you can also just like, even if people don't necessarily like talk about it, like um, I guess just clearly explain what they did, you can just look back on like the like 10 years that they've been doing stuff online and just like see how they did it and then like see like where their most growth came from, which is really fascinating to me. Um. I don't know. I just really like that idea of being able to learn from other people because it's like it's such a I don't know, such a faster route than figuring everything out by yourself. Now, yeah, have yeah you well, I any... I I think there should be a combination there, but uh like it's almost yeah. a ways to to not learn what other people can like like share. But still, I think you you do have to make the 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 mistakes and um like like you, you have to do it yourself first because uh, yeah you can read a book about investing like 20 times but I think that the, you learn it by actually doing it so I think there, there should be a balance between those two things yeah I totally agree because like also like everyone's going to be like different and the way you create content the way you produce it market it everything's going to be like slightly different for everyone and so like even if you like do it by the textbook it might just not work for you which is I don't know you kind of have to do that. I feel like it just forces you into that. No. But now, when you're, like, I guess, tweeting, what are some of, like, the things that are, like, on your mind when you're writing a tweet? Are you just trying to put, like, as much value as you can um, into each one? Or, like, how do you kind of plan those out over the course of, like, um, I don't know, I guess a span of time? And, like, do you really plan those out? Yeah, currently I would say my, my strategy changed a little bit because as I said, uh, the focus lies on LinkedIn content creation. But as my audiences on LinkedIn and Twitter are pretty similar, there is a big overlap between what I speak about. I currently just repurpose the content that I would say was working well on LinkedIn, but then in more like snack bite uh, size tweets on Twitter because of course of the character length. Plus, it's also understanding the dynamics of the platform that 
pe people go to Twitter to have like instant hits of like either dopamine or education or inspiration or motivation. Uh, so I think that's that's for me like like some part of the strategy. The other part that I use Twitter for is like idea idea validation or like 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 crafting certain like hooks because on LinkedIn you have to like be succinct in your writing because you can you have to capture the the attention on the timeline. So I'm using Twitter to have a more like battleground of like testing the things out, and uh, I think that's really valuable for me. Um, so currently, it's Twitter's like a like a like a testing ground almost for the ideas I have, the content I have to make things more succinct than I think they should be needed. Uh, and then I I like to plan my content on Twitter out ahead for like a like a week or so because that allows me to spend most of my time on LinkedIn. But the time that I do spend on Twitter, can I then fully focus on the engagement part in terms of like like replying to other creators that I like to be. Uh, I feel like to connect with or just going through my DMs and making sure that's up to date. So again, even now, 90% of the time on Twitter is engaging. 10% is just uh, the creation process, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I agree with that. That's it. I feel like Twitter is a kind of puts you into that as well. Now, this is just like a random question that I have. Is, is LinkedIn like strictly words like as a strictly text or like what's the format there well linkedin is i would say one of the platforms that actually has the most uh the most possibilities in terms of content it can be short form content a short form text sorry it can be long form text uh it can be video it can be images it can be as like to call it on LinkedIn, like a slide deck or carousel, which is like a PDF document with multiple pages. And then you can click through to like the like the like the, uh, the slide deck. Um, so, for example, people sometimes do like screenshots of their thread, like the Twitter thread, and then they repurpose that to a LinkedIn carousel. Um, so, actually, I think LinkedIn has a like a broader like spectrum of, of possibilities. In terms of content format, uh, than for example, Twitter. That's really cool. I've definitely like not heard enough about LinkedIn. I'm I'm definitely gonna look into that after after this episode. But that's really that's really fascinating because it is like that business. I feel like um, like you were saying earlier, people are more on there just to like look um, for a specific thing as opposed to Twitter, where it's like they're just kind of there. Um, which is really interesting. So I think we're getting to like close to the end of the episode. Um, now how, like, do you have a specific strategy that you use on LinkedIn, um, to like grow your, grow your audience? Is that just like posting, like you said, twice a day, um, and like putting the value into the post or is there anything, any other like nuances with that, that you need to like keep in mind on LinkedIn? Yeah, well, I'll say the the frequency, of course, is interesting for me. Like, uh, I like to bet on the consistency and let's say the numbers game in that case. So I see like a case showing up with two posts a day. It's it's very, very doable for me because content creation is easy. Plus, I increased the odds to be lucky, as I like to call it. Secondly, I would say my content. I see great. I see kind of like in general that 
great content can do two things. A, it solves the problem of your audience. So then you can think of like how to content, like, okay, you have a problem, you want to grow an engaged audience. I can show you how to do that. So that's one piece of the content. The other part, which I would say has the majority of my current output is content that positions me as the expert to help my audience solve the problem they have. Because by doing that, I kind of like emphasize the problem they have. I speak about certain solutions, uh, but I also make sure that they know that I am the guy to help them solve the problem because then I can help them uh, or then I can land them as my clients because that's the main focus for me on LinkedIn to acquire clients like on a monthly basis to grow my business. Uh, and at T, content is there the, the funnel for. Uh, so I'd say in a nutshell, that's the, the, the role content plays. And then of course I got my content buckets that I create content about. I got my subtopics which are like a little bit more specified. Uh, but overall, it is basically like documenting all the things that I know till this point, which, which got me here. Because I know that's a selling point because people look up to me. Like I, li I live a digital nomad lifestyle and that's something I can utilize because many people are like, fuck, we want to have that too. So I don't necessarily write about being a digital nomad, but I use it in my story. It's an angle that I use because it, it strengthens the point that I make money online, which for many people is the end goal. So uh, yeah, to, I would say recap content that helps my audience solve their problem themselves, like DIY content or more content that positions me as the expert to help them solve me or help them solve the problem they have. Sorry there. That's a really good answer. I like that. That's so cool that you're a, a digital nomad. That lifestyle is so fascinating to me. I had I talked to someone that's like, I don't know, that's like his thing to talk about online that he does that. It's, I don't know. It's a fascinating thing. Now, one one last question, just to, just to wrap it up here. I ask everyone this. It always catches them off guard. Um, what is one thing under $50 that you'd recommend um, people buy to improve any aspect of their life? It doesn't have to be specific to content creation. It can be anything. Well, it's even under a dollar, this one. So uh, it's the it's the ebook by Alex Hermosi, $100 million offers. And uh, yeah, I would say read it, make that a life mission to understand it because it will make you every aspect of, I would say business, but also how you think about marketing content, copywriting, sales, negotiations, everything, providing value as much as possible. It's 99 cents. I'm not <laughs> sponsored to, to say this, perhaps one day, but uh, I think it's it. you can get like 50 copies to send to your friends as well under $50. Nice. That's perfect. I love that answer. <laughs> All right. So uh, thanks for being on the podcast. Is there any uh, socials you want to plug? Any projects that you're working on? I would say for people to connect with me, it's just my name, Jesse Van Bruegel. But to make it easier for most of you, as my surname is pretty Dutch, uh, I would say just follow the purple dot, both on Twitter and LinkedIn, then you will find me. And if you want to know more about the Creator Academy, the website is thecreatoracademy.xyz. And there you find all the free resources, all the newsletter, all the free products, all the free uh, free guides, etc. cetera. Uh, so that's, I would say, the best ways to, uh, to find me. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on. Thanks for having me on. It was great chatting with you.